So so people are not really aware, again, if they're watching it for the first time, they don't know what natural and adaptive mm-hmm. behavior Let's is. Let's talk about it. All right, so natural behavior basically speaks to who you are when you're most comfortable, when you're in your natural environment, when you're doing the things that you want to do in the ways that you want to do them. When you're not conscious of what's going on, you're just being you. When you're just being you without thought, mm-hmm. right? Your adaptive behavior is who you are when you know that you're being observed, when you feel stressed, when you're in an uncomfortable situation or environment. Mm-hmm. You have a preference for adapting and behaving a certain way, yeah. right? So everybody has natural behavior and everybody has adaptive behavior. Everybody is always trying to revert back to the natural behavior. But there is value in the adaptive, right? 100%. So the the analogy that I always use is we're land mammals. When we're on land and we're in our natural environment, we have to breathe, right? We inhale, we exhale to live. But if I took a human and I threw them in a foreign environment, threw them in water, and they did what they naturally do, they die. They die because you can't breathe underwater. You don't have gills. So you have to adapt and hold your breath. That's where the value is. But if you hold your breath for too long, you die. You die. Yeah. So you have to have a deadline. You have to know when to say when and revert back to your natural self in your natural environment. And what I've found in doing thousands and thousands of assessments and working with people is that most people are experiencing stress and burnout and things that are not working because they're spending too much time. They're living in their adaptive essentially. Mm. And they're wondering why things are not working. hundred percent. Let's so this this actually happened. It was a young lady that worked for me and she just wasn't getting done what she was supposed to get done. So I'm frustrated for, for for like a while and I'm upset. I'm like, yo, this, okay, I, I just can't use you anymore because this isn't, because I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. You know, I say we're going to have a meeting. And again, it's something inside of me that time is important for me. Like I hate, I hate a couple minutes late and I'm, I just mm-hmm. don't like it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super frustrated with her. And then on her exit, like she's kind of helping like transition my new person in that, uh, that role. She says to me, she said, man, I am sorry. She's like, yo, I have not been the same since this family member passed. And she's like, yo, it's like, it's not only you, but it's some like other clients that I, I just haven't been myself. I've been dropping the ball. Um, and she's like, yo, I'm about to get out of this industry altogether because I need time to heal and just get away. She's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do about like finances and money and stuff like that, but I'm really, I, I really have to get myself together. Mm. Had she said that like two months prior, I wouldn't be as frustrated. I'd be more understanding. I say, ah, she's she's dealing with some stuff. It's cool. I need to get it done, but the thing that needs to get done is not as important as this person sitting in front of me. And I understand she doesn't know how to navigate this space. Like I'm still messed up from my mom passing. I don't, I have no idea. I know some stuff about me in terms of interacting with other people. It's if if you take it on the surface, it's like, yo, David's being funny acting, but it's just, and I can't even like put my finger on it, but I'm affected. I haven't been the same since my mom passed. 
So in that scenario, if I know what's going on, that's why I'm 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 looking to be more open and more transparent because you, when people understand what's going on, they're more lenient, even if it affects them negatively. I think that's why these conversations are important. Yeah, right. Because most of what like most people, the reality is, we look at things at face value. We take things at face value. And we could see a scar or something and, you know, somebody being hurt externally, but we don't pay attention to or don't know about the internal scars, what somebody's struggling with or what they healed from and, and how it impacts them moving forward. Mm-hmm. Certain things we go through, it's like, oh, okay, I'm back to myself. I just was in a funk. Other things, you get scarred and it, it, you're not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's... Uh, like foundationally shifts something in you right and we don't have conversations like that i think you know our community is some of that stuff is taboo we just don't talk about but these conversations are important because life is always happening around us and it's not going anywhere and i feel like having a having these conversations creates understanding and the understanding creates compassion because we're all human mm-hmm. and we all go through things and we can understand yep. what it's like being human. Mm-hmm. We know what it is to be on and we know what it is to be off. Yeah. And when I know that you're off, I can't judge you or I can't receive you the same way. Yeah. Right? Even even when I'm like, yo, I want I want to do my best. I have to tell myself my best looks different when I'm in a good mood, when I'm in a bad mood, when I'm in good health or when I'm in bad health. My best looks different from day to day. Yeah, for sure. And as long as I know that I'm giving my best, I can sort of rest. Now there's, again, the impact is there, but like I can go, okay, let me me look to be better tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I think just exposing the issue kind of gives people an opportunity for a little leniency. If if Kanye... <clears throat> he said some things that offended a lot of people, right? Well, and again, I don't have a dog in a fight. I don't, I mean, I don't really care. You know what I mean? It's not like my thing <laughs> right, like that. Right. But I, one thing I do know is if he checked himself into like a mental hospital, the whole world will say, poor Kanye. Yo, we're standing with you, Kanye. He was dealing with something that he had no control over. So even the people that he offended can say, oh, well, he was mentally, and I'm not saying he's mentally ill. I'm just saying people would say, oh, well, he's he's mentally ill, right? The bully, everybody hates the bully at school until so you find out that that bully, that sixth grader goes home and his parents beat on him. So he comes to school and beats on other people. Mm-hmm. That's the pattern. We're no longer looking at the bully as, oh, it's just this bully. You shouldn't be a bully. Nobody likes the bully until you find out where this is coming from. And now we're like, okay, the kid needs help. This is how, this is how it's expressing itself. Yeah, this how it's manifesting Can't fight itself. back at home, fights back at school. That's what I think is so like, powerful about the assessment because there's a story attached to a person's assessment. Mm-hmm. Like the data, this is objective data. The data is what it is. Mm-hmm. But... There's a story. There's a there's a reason why you're 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 built this way. There's a reason why you're wired this way. Yeah. And once we start to unpack that stuff, it's like, 
Oh, okay. It, it's transformational at that point. For sure. Because I may not have experienced the same thing, but I have my own version of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I can empathize with you from that perspective. Yeah. And so I don't look at it like, well, Dave, you're doing this thing to me. I look at it like, oh, you're responding to, you know, this traumatic experience or this is your coping mechanism or this is how you feel safe or this is how you respond, you know, when you're feeling low, yeah. right? Like, because we all go through it. Yeah. And what we need in that moment when we're going through it is for somebody to just understand and give us whatever we need to get through to the next moment. Okay. Right. Again, awareness breeds choice. Most of most people, right, and I, I suffered from this as well before I kind of got into the work, but you're making choices for yourself, one, only based on the choices that you know are available. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that that's all the choices that exist. So we need to get exposed to new things. The other thing is, if you don't know who you are or you're not clear on what it is you like and don't like and the the ways in which you work best and the ways in which you struggle, you can't make choices that actually serve you. So when when you're not aware, you're in this cycle of making choices for who you think you should be or who somebody told you you should be versus who you actually are. Oh, that sounds like my life. So then you get stressed Mm -hmm. and you living in this like, I just feel down, I don't feel energized or like you high tension and you're not meant to live like that. Oh, that sounds like my whole life right now. So so I tell people like if you're feeling stressed or you feel stressed out, you're Mm -hmm. living in your adaptive the gray bars on the assessment you're living in because we all have a way in which we like to adapt. Like when you get stressed or you get, you have a preference for the way that you like to right? like some people get nervous and they laugh or Mm -hmm. some people get nervous and they smile or they like, we all have little idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. Most people are living in that though. And they have no business doing that. But once you become aware, now you can choose like, okay, I know I'm really structured. So anybody that I know is a C, they need a deadline. This is when I need you to get it back to me. Or I will say, hey, send me a first draft and I can give you feedback. Now you go, oh, okay. I know I have a second chance to like make it better. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand who you are and then play your game. Don't try to be somebody else. Because when you try to do what someone else is doing, mm-hmm. that's when you start feeling stressed because it's not natural to you. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. So you are naturally a very thoughtful, methodical person. So you're going to struggle with being put on the spot. You're going to struggle with somebody rushing you. Mm-hmm. That's not how you prefer to function. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is create a plan or create a system which is what you excel at creating a system or structure that allows you to operate to function under those conditions or you get around somebody else that is really great at that so if you know so for example dave has a low d i have a high one so he might be in his head about something and i make the decision like this Mm. You might need to get around people who are D's. 
not to say you're going to be more decisive or whatever, but yeah. they will cover your blind spot or the area that you're struggling. Does that make sense? Yeah. What you need to do is find environments and find people who need what it is that you have. So where people don't have structure, uh, like people who are just kind of go with the flow all over the place. I know that I need structure. I just don't like it. I don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> I'm being honest. Like, I don't like people telling me what to do. But if you suggest it or you make a recommendation, mm -hmm. I'm going to act like it was my idea, but I'm going to listen to what you said. <laughs> right? And so you, you just have to find what environment fits you okay I, I want you to like reframe your paradigm around the word no you're not being a no to them you're being a yes to yourself it may feel like it's a no but I'm I have to do what serves me and that's not it so you don't even have, I'm just not, you don't even have to say no so much. You just say, hey, I'm, I'm not in that season right now. Or, hey, I can't make that a priority right now. Thank you for thinking about me. But I can't prioritize that right now. That might be a way that makes you feel more comfortable saying it. Me, I could just say no. And <laughs> it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But. You know, you have that high C, but you also have an I that's really high. So you do care about the energy and the vibe and the experience. So you don't like the energy being mm -hmm. chippy or tense. I don't like it being awkward. I don't like awkward energy. Yeah. See, I don't I don't mind it being awkward. It's it like eats me up inside. Yeah, I don't mind it being let me see. And that yeah, okay. Yeah, altruism is there. So 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 you know that you need to say no. So what are we going to do to make sure that you actually say no and stand on it? A no to them is a yes to me. That means you got to not, that means you, I mean, I'm not, I know it's not going to be overnight. Right. But <laughs> you can't, just don't feel bad about it. Like, I want to offer that perspective to you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a no. You're being affirming to yourself. And anybody that's really for you is not going to have a problem with you doing what's best for you. Nobody that really cares about you is going to have a problem with K doing what's best for K because they want what's best for you. Mm -hmm. So anybody that gives you grief, that should be a red flag. Yeah, but like it's human nature to be like self-serving. Like, you want what's best for me, but me saying no is not what's best for you. So you're still going to feel the type of way. No, but me having a problem with you doing what's best for you means that I have expectations and I'm in, I feel in a sense of entitlement to you. Mm -hmm. I'm putting my responsibility on you, which is not fair. So if I ask you for something, you say no. Okay, cool. Like, maybe you're really not in a position to do that. But the situation is mine for me to deal with. Yeah. Me getting upset with you don't help my situation. What it does is it, it's a distraction. So now I'm mad at Kay. This is still bubbling over here. It's yeah. Not, nothing is going away. So 
most times when people feel like that, it's because there's a level of expectation and entitlement. And you really don't want to be in relationships where that exists because mm-hmm. it creates it creates tension. It creates unhealthy situations. Mm. You have to be able, you have to be ideally you want to be in relationships where you do want the best for that person and that person wants the best for you. But you also understand that that may mean something that doesn't help them out. Right? Like it may my what's best for me may mean I need to go over here away from you. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that if you say that you you really want what's best for me. Mm. Share this with a few people. No, I mean it's you have to give yourself permission to be unapologetically okay. Without judgment, without expectation, like you not judging yourself for putting yourself first. It's evident. Anybody that sees your assessment knows that you put others first, knows that that's where your heart is. Mm-hmm. So you should never feel bad about doing anything for yourself. Yo, what's goody fam? Listen, I know, I know. I'm going to let you get back to the episode, but I wanted to take a minute to let you know about the Human Behavior Mastery course. Yes, we have a course that we put together for coaches, consultants, corporate leaders, and entrepreneurs. I know you're listening to the pod and it's all of this numbers and the the adaptive and the natural, the D, the I, the attributes. We put together a comprehensive course to walk you through exactly how to understand each one of the personality types, each one of the values, and we're going to show you exactly how to get the most out of each type, what things you need to avoid, what environments to put you in, and what pieces to put around you to be successful. So if you're looking at taking your business, your life, or your relationship to the next level, make sure you go check out the Human Behavior Mastery course. Back to the episode. In the spirit of Mental Health Awareness Month, in the spirit of loving up on black women, right, black mommies, what would be your final words to them? Like, what would you charge them with as we, we, we get up out of this conversation? I charge you, my beautiful black women, with finding something on your many, 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 many paged list of things you have to do and find one thing that you don't have to do that you could delegate to somebody else. I want you to find whatever that thing is, and I want you to write out how you want it done. I, w- I don't care if it's just washing dishes and you're delegating it to your son. This is how I want you to wash dishes. This is how I want you to load the dishwasher. This is how I want you to clean the kitchen. Because if I say go clean the kitchen and I come in here and it's still dishes sitting in the, in the dishwasher, they washed, but they're not put away. You know, let me explain all this process. So now that's just one task less that you have to do that has your mind and your heart and your time tied up to where now you could say, I have an extra hour. In that extra hour, I don't care if it's an extra 30 minutes, do something for yourself even if it's just sitting quietly by yourself, because these kids be talking, they talk more than I do. God bless. (laughs) But find the one thing that you could delegate. So that way, even if those few minutes, those few moments of time that you get to taste, get to taste what it feels like to have just a little bit of freedom and a little bit of peace for yourself. And then from that, you'll get a flavor for it. Now you'll get a yearning for it. Now it's like, Oh my God, I got to get that again. What else on this list can I take off? What else can I delegate? And then you'll have the strength to be able to say, I don't have to do it all myself because you don't, black lady. I've been through that. My clients have been through it. 
My friends have been through it. My family have been through it. And I've watched generations of women that are living in exhaustion and then waiting to the end of their life to say, I never got to travel. I never got to take my child to Paris. I never got to do these things because I was so busy doing tasks, which most of those tasks were not tasks you should have been responsible for. No, that's right. So that would be my charge. Find one thing, just one. Even if it's dishes, if it's laundry, if you're normally the one that does laundry and you got kids that know how to stand on their feet, have one of these kids going to do this laundry. <laughs> if it's, I need to hire a laundry company to come in. If it's going to cost me $100 for you to come and get this laundry, bring it back, fold it, or five hours of me doing it, assess how much money that costs. Assess how much money you make even if it's at your job. How much money am I making versus losing by me doing it? And then delegate that thing, get it off you. Be free, honey, of all the things that, that your parents and your grandma taught you, honey. Be free of that because you don't have to do those things anymore. You can hire somebody, and there is somebody out there that that's their thing. They love it. They love it. The ladies that clean my house, they turn on the uh, mariachi music. They be getting it. They be in the kitchen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They love, They absolutely love it. So they come. They bring me gifts all the time because that is their gift. This is mine. Mm. Respect whatever your gift is and allow other people to do what is their gifting and in their grace. I I love that. Like I was telling you before we started recording, like I always find it fascinating how much the environment and then the culture and then the individual all factor into what's happening with a person. So like Mm -hmm. I was in an environment with, I was, I was uh, raised by parents, one, a high I and one, a high C. Mm -hmm. Those are my two lowest Oh, wow. Right. But also so much of my being assertive and being driving and just forceful and being a high D comes from never feeling like who I was fit into what the expectation was. Right. Because you you said like I can identify with, well, why couldn't you get 100? I got a 98. Yeah. Right. Or. You know, what are you doing with yourself? Well, all of these pressures and expectations, and this is what you're supposed to do, and this is how, because this is tradition, and yeah. this is and this is the sacrifice that was laid before you, and, like, all of these things. And so I know for me, it was a challenge of, well, how do I be unapologetically authentic? How do I choose myself and not feel like I'm disrespecting my culture and tradition. Mm-hmm. And I I went, I grappled with it for the longest time. And I think I just got to a place where it was like, you know, I honor and I respect all sacrifice and everything that everybody did that came before me. I honor and respect my culture. But the shoes that y'all left for me, those shoes don't fit me. Mm-hmm. Right? And I have to go. And, and I just was like, yo, like, it's, you know, I was always me, but it was yeah. part of me that would like, hold back a tad bit because my mentality was I want to make my parents proud and I had to ask myself well somebody asked me are you making yourself proud and the hesitation that I had in answering the question told me everything I needed to know Mm. and it switched immediately Mm. right and so a lot of me being I was always this driving demanding kind of person um but I realized how it was informed by the expectations and making someone feel like I had to please them and never fitting in with those rules or how that looked. So I just like, 
I'm a I'm I'ma do whatever I feel like doing, however I feel like doing it. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, okay. So I'm like the, you know, the hard-headed, reckless one. It's like, huh. Yeah. I stress them out, you know what yeah. I mean? But it's like I'm comfortable because I'm being myself. Mm. And for me, I just, I require being free. Yeah. I need yeah. that. It's like oxygen for me. Yeah. So I'm always intrigued by, because I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying, and you're like, I just wanted to check the boxes, and I just wanted to make them proud and yeah. fall in line, and I can identify with that. But the way in which... You went about doing it. Yeah. For, as, and I think this goes back to being the accommodating person, the supporter, the the S type, right? You will, you, because you don't like conflict, because you want to support people, because you want to be accommodating, a person might do something that, you know, like rubs you the wrong way or like upsets you. And you may not say anything at first. You'll just be like, no, it's fine. It's okay. When really it's not. And because you don't want conflict, You'll be like, okay, you'll give it a pass. But really, you're keeping receipts, right? And so offense one happens, offense two happens, offense three happens, and they go to do number four and you explode. And it's like, you did this, this, this. And they're like, whoa, where did all of this come from? I didn't know that you were feeling this way. And it's because you didn't communicate or you didn't, Give them the opportunity to correct it the first time they did it because you were accommodating, right? You're looking at the conflict like it's something that's going to sour the relationship, right? You're a very loyal, very, like, connected person. When you have a relationship, it means a lot to you. Like, the S's are like the ride or die types, right? They will suffer in silence, almost got martyr syndrome. But it's not necessarily healthy for the relationship, because you're not working through the challenges together. You're just kind of eating stuff and it tears it tears you up over time. Like it erodes, you know, your enthusiasm and your spirit until boop, you're a time bomb and you blow up. And now a person is looking at you like, Well, yeah. why didn't you say anything? Or you know, like you could have said something to me sooner. Mm-hmm. And you'll find yourself resentful in situations. Because circumstances have got to a certain place and you don't like being over there, but you didn't lay the foundational communication work so that people could take your thoughts and feelings into consideration. So a lot of the, the, the maybe the coaching and the recommendation and the suggestions is being able to focus up and speak up more for yourself and advocate for yourself early often and continuously and finding language that you feel comfortable with. Right. Like, so even we were talking before, I'm like, maybe a no is too strong, but you say, Hey, I appreciate you thinking about me, but I'm actually, I have other obligations or, Hey, I can't make that a priority right now, but maybe I'll come back around and see if it's still available. Or, you know, maybe I'm not in that season right now. Right. Like Mm -hmm. finding language that you feel comfortable with, But it's still saying no. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. And I think with, I, I think I need those tools to. Yeah, we all need the tools. Yeah. Because I, I'm wondering, like, how do I kind of break out of that with the no thing? I've been working on it for, like, I would say a year. I've really just started. But with that resentment thing, 
there was a year, I think it was 2020. Mm. It was a whole year. It took the whole year before I, I got to that exploding point where I had helped everyone around me had achieved so many things. And they're like, yeah, I've got this, I've got this. And I had been the one helping them because I was the one accepting and giving them help, whether it's a project, whether it was a book, whether it was like an event I was doing. And I was willingly saying yes. Nobody had a gun to my head. but I was willingly saying yes to all these people and all these things. And it got to the end of the year and I was reflecting back on what I had achieved. And for myself, I could, I can't, I couldn't name something that I had achieved for myself. But then I had all these people like thanking me for all the help I gave them for what they had achieved. And at that point, I just felt so like angry, not just, I felt angry at them. I felt angry at myself and I feel like it was resentment, but it was my own doing. Nobody forced me to. So I think, I guess maybe what I need to do going forward one is having like, you know, ways to say no. And also just not just saying no because I, basically saying no because I want to, like being true to myself. I think that's where I need to work on the most. Also understand that people want to help you. You probably have so much social equity out there and people want to help you, but you are afraid of asking for help. You don't want to feel like a burden to people. So you'll never ask, but there's, by you not asking for help, one, you're not going to get the support you need, right? Two, you're blocking somebody else's blessing because somebody wants to sow a seed into you, right? Somebody wants to pay you back the blessing you gave them, and you're not allowing them to. So the relationship is kind of imbalanced because now people are sitting there like, okay, well, how do I support her? When can I do this for her? And... It's like it's like inviting, it's like being a friend that they invite you out every time and you keep saying no, and then they stop inviting you, and then you start feeling away because mm. nobody's inviting me no more, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't know, yeah. or you've trained them not to ask anymore because you yeah. keep saying no every time. Yeah. So sometimes you have to go and advocate, like, "Hey, I need this," or you know, in in ways that feel comfortable, and then some ways that don't, but. That's what's going to get you to your next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a. I think that is really helpful. I know I knew it, but hearing it is because I do say no to every everyone and everything. My sister literally yesterday said to me, "Why do you always say no when somebody offers you something?" I'm like, "No, no, it's fine. I don't." And I, it's just no, like immediately, and it's because I don't want to be a burden. But then, if someone's offering, I guess it's not burdensome to them but let me ask you a question what is your challenge with receiving um i just don't want to no i don't know that i don't feel like i don't deserve it maybe mm. i just maybe i don't feel like i i don't know if i i've never really sat and thought as to why but i think the first thing when somebody offers me something, I don't want them to feel obligated to or obliged, whichever it is. That's not that's that's not it. When somebody tries to offer you something, there's a very specific thought that comes to mind. Yeah, maybe it's the whole like I don't know if it's like not worthy, not deserving. I just would rather n- not. The thought is, what did I do to deserve this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. Mm-hmm. Which comes from. 
feeling like you're not worthy or not deserving, which comes from feeling like you're not enough. You see how all of this is attached to that which you felt as a young girl? And it's still playing itself out now. Yeah. And it's okay. And it it it, it is it's it's heavy. And mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to to acknowledge like there's still that little girl, that little boy that's there. We just got grown. Yeah. But if we don't work through those things and we don't quell those things, we're gonna keep living them out. And many of us don't have healthy coping mechanisms. Many of us are using people, places, and things to fill holes in us when we're the only ones that can fill those holes. We're the only ones that can soothe those, those, those gaps and fill those gaps, right? So it's not, it's not a good, it's not bad, it's not right or wrong, but you have to be aware so that you can make choices that serve you, right? That thought, that feeling of... What did I do to deserve this? Doesn't serve you at all. There are people that just want to bless you, right? They're, you're worthy and deserving of blessings, but you're blocking them, right? Yeah. And it's it's a form of like self sabotage, but it's a it comes from that. Well, you feel like I got to work for something. If I didn't work for it, if I didn't earn it, I don't deserve to have it. Yeah. Your definition of work is different. Sometimes somebody might want to bless you for just being a nice person. Sometimes somebody might just, you know what? I see she's been putting in a lot of work. She might need a little help. Let me just give her a little. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I, I believe that diversity of perspective makes us smarter, better people. Mm-hmm. And I believe that every time you have an interaction, a conversation with somebody, they give you a lens. Like, I didn't live your life. Mm-hmm. But in us engaging and having an interaction, I get you give me a lens in which to see the world through. Mm-hmm. And the more that we talk, I get more clarity mm-hmm. through that lens. Mm-hmm. And we need that because our, our perspective is but so big. Mm-hmm. And the more life that we live, that worldview starts to expand. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading, I think it was in The Science of Success, the, the author uh, by uh, Wallace D. Waddles. Mm-hmm. Everything in the world was created from thinking matter. It was created mm-hmm. twice. Right? Everything is created twice, once in the mind, mm. and then it's manifested in the physical. Mm. So the chairs that we're sitting in, somebody thought, about designing it first, it first. Mm-hmm. right? The 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 phones that we have, mm-hmm. the way we're groomed, mm-hmm. everything is designed for. But also who we are, the thought about who we can be mm-hmm. or what we want to be, mm-hmm. it has to start mentally first. Mm-hmm. But it's very very easy for us to get scrambled and for us to get pulled in a different direction if we're not committed to taking ownership about that, really understanding the power of choice. If I don't like what's going on, I can make a decision and choose for it to be different. Mm -hmm. And it can be that. Mm -hmm. And if I don't like that, I can make another choice and choose to be out of that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, I think when we start to experience pain or life start whooping that ass, you want, (laughs) you want to scapegoat and say, Oh, it's because him did it. Right. Him did it. Instead of 
if I'm the person that has the power to choose and in choosing has the power to frame the world mm-hmm. through whatever worldview and have whatever perspective, mm-hmm. I need not play with that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can experience the same exact event and look at it from over here and it changes the whole trajectory of everything. Mm. Everything's just... I remember getting into a fight in my neighborhood. Stuff got crazy. You know, people started looking, you know, me and my friends outside. Because people looking for us. We outside, got guns on us, ready for protection. It's a whole crazy situation. You know, dudes is looking for us, driving around. My brother comes to get me. Like, yo, come upstairs, whatever. I get in the house. My mother like, pack your shit, you out of here. Mm. I'm like, but let me tell you what happened. Like, they swung on us first. We was, you know, we was giving respect to the old heads. And Mm. it was a whole situation. I'm like, I'm trying to explain. My mother like, I don't want to hear none of that shit. I'm like, but just you taught me to defend myself. I wasn't being rude or disrespectful. Mm -hmm. I was respecting. Pack your shit, go get a, I'm like, I'm in high school. I'm like, what you want me to do? I got to go to school. She sent me to my brother's house. My brother was living in the studio with, you know, his, you know, uh, mother, his children and everything. I stayed there for a little bit and then I had to get up out of there because it was a tight space. I just mm-hmm, couldn't. Mm-hmm. Now, when I looked at it, 16-year-old me, my mother kicked me out. Right. My mother didn't want me no more. This is my earth. This is like... Mm-hmm. I was doing what she taught me to do, defend myself, whatever. Mm-hmm. She put me out. Like, she just made me leave. I didn't even get the chance to ex- explain what happened. She didn't even hear me out. It's like Thanksgiving or something. Maybe a couple of years ago, me and my mm-hmm. sister talking. I ended up going to stay with my sister, like, eventually after, like, trying to figure out mm-hmm. where to lay my head. I went, eventually ended up staying with my sister. Me and my sister talking about it Thanksgiving, and my mother's like confused. My mother's perspective, which I never could understand because I wasn't a parent. Right. My mother's idea. So one of my brothers got killed as a teenager. Mm-hmm. In my mother's mind, her worst fear was being at work and getting a phone call that her son got killed. Mm. The best thing she knew to do was to send me as far away from there as possible. As possible. That was her way of protecting me. Mm-hmm. When I tell a story, I can't even relate to it in the way my 16-year-old self right. does because I have the perspective of, one, being a parent. Being a parent now. Two, yeah. understanding that a parent will do whatever they need to mm-hmm. do to protect their child. And then let me empathize with her, being a woman raising sons in mm-hmm. the streets. Mm-hmm. Like, the fear that she must have had, I can't even process that. Right. Right. And right. now looking at like, oh, that was an act of love, of protection, not rejection. Not rejection. Like for a long time, that metal. How me much and my time did it take for you to get to to understand that point? Over ten years. Over ten years. So you were 26, 27 years I old. I was a grown man with kids before you even realized. Before I really got my mother's perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like. I don't even like telling that story because I don't want it to paint or mis 
misconstrue her intent behind. It's no way you could possibly misconstrue. I knew immediately when you told me what her intent was. Her right. intent wasn't, boy, you getting on my nerves. You wilding. Get out. I knew immediately her intent was the primary safety of 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 of, of her child. Yeah, it was, and the there there was pride there. I couldn't, you know, even when my I, I went to stay with my grandfather. <laughs> Old Africans, they not listen. I went to stay with my grandfather after my brother told me to go. My grandfather like, listen, what happened? It's like me and my mother got into something. He's like, we're gonna talk about it in the morning. Woke up, my grandfather was waiting over top of me. What happened? He's like, well, if you disgraced or you disobeyed your parents, you can't stay here until you make it right with her. Mm, wow, wow. Made me leave and go to school. I was living out of a gym bag. I had too much pride to go back because she rejected me. And because I already felt the way about just dynamics between me and my father, my, my mother, I'm cool. I'm good. I left my bag in my guidance counselor's office and would come and would come to school early, wash up in the bathroom, or I would go, I would go in the staircase in come my on, building. Homeless. Come on, homeless. <laughs> I would go in the staircase and stay in the staircase, but would not knock on that door and ask mommy to open the door. Wow. Wow. Until I went and stayed with my sister. And like it 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 was that and then realizing I put myself in that experience mm -hmm. and you viewed it that way and my mother's intent was completely something different. My mother take anybody kid in. Mm -hmm. So her even hearing that something like that happened to one of hers would broke her heart. Mm -hmm. This misunderstanding. This commitment to my perspective being this way, and obviously I was a child, so I don't have the mm -hmm. bandwidth to like, but mm -hmm. I'm just like, you never really know the perspective, and you shouldn't even attach yourself to the perspective because you may live some life and get new perspective, and it changes the way you relate to things that actually happen to you. Again, I can't tell that story the same way because I don't even connect to it mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my perspective has changed. The the, the 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 something that's jumping out at me now is um, is uh, Shirley has always been a proponent and 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 really preached this is is um, it, that's intentional living. Like now you've moved to a point of intentionality with yes. your thinking that now it's it 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 be, because what will happen is an unhealed person. And a person who does not have mastery over their emotions, or at least emotionally healthy, will allow the replaying of that narrative, that traumatic narrative, to bring them back into the same feelings, the same thoughts. Mm -hmm. In the present. Right? In the present, and then have them acting on those thoughts. So you could leave out of here, out of this, this podcast sitting, right? And <laughs> then, like, be bugging, you know, with the with, with with people that you come in contact with, and they're like, "Where yo? Where is this energy coming from? Right. You pissed <laughs> off because you remembering that your mom did this and how it made you feel, and blah blah blah." And it's this lack of intentional thinking, like the the Christian scriptures tells us, "Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus." Mm. Right. That's a that's a that's a, a text. Another text would say. Um, um, uh, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, by becoming more intentional about the thoughts that come in and out of your mind. 
Now you're able to choose a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Simply because remember, the because if, if the root of all maladjustment is in the thought processes, then the root of all adjustment is also in the thought processes. Yep. So if you want to see a better outcome, you have to change how you think. Choose your, change your mindset. You have to change. And to do that, you have to be intentional about the thoughts that are coming in and out of your mind. That requires you to take ownership mm-hmm. and to be in control. And absolute and complete control. Absolute control. And you have to, the good, the bad, the beautiful, ugly that comes with that. So for me, I want to. I seek out new perspective Mm. because I know it's going to enrich my life. It affords me new options to choose from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me still being attached to what 16-year-old Dewan thought, that's cognitive dissonance at this point. Mm Because I already know Mm -hmm. she told me better. Mm -hmm. But some of us are so fixed with the mental, some of us are happy with the benefits that come with being a victim. Mm. The perceived benefits. The perceived benefits, actually. <laughs> right? But it, but I'm I want absolute autonomy, freedom, control. Freedom. Ooh. That's all I want is freedom. Freedom, freedom to be pure, unadulterated, Dewan, unapologetically myself at whatever cost. The question um is from my man Joe, shout out to Joe. Joe said, what's the reason behind procrastination and perfectionism? Right? So essentially, why am I always putting things off? So one, procrastination, uh, at least for the sake of this conversation, procrastination is a self-defeating behavior that gives us short-term benefit with long-term cost, right? It is a behavioral pattern that we do for different reasons. But studies show that procrastination is actually a chronic issue in about 20 to 25% of adults, right? So it's something that a lot of people are dealing with. Um, And again, awareness breeds choice, right? So if we don't know why we're procrastinating, then we can't do anything to fix it. So Joe, listen, procrastination can happen for a number of reasons. One, you know, sometimes people uh, feel bored or they're not interested in, you know, whatever's going on. People have a lack of belief in themselves and their abilities. Sometimes people get distracted. Other people uh, are going through a great amount of stress, right? Those are overlaying issues as to why people procrastinate. You know, procrastination is, again, something that feels good in the moment, but it really, it really costs us on the back end. And, um, you know, dealing with mental health issues, mental health awareness month is something that we all need to be mindful of one, because it's very easy for us to look at what somebody else is doing and not really take the time to look at the reason why they're doing it. It's easy for us to do that or be very critical of ourselves in the same way. But if we can shorten the gap between decision-making between execution, then at one, it builds capacity, it builds confidence because we're getting reps in. And confidence really just is a reflection of us doing things over and over and getting more familiar and comfortable with them. 
right? But well, we can get distracted from social media, from all of the advertisements and the noise in the world, or just emotional stress, mental fatigue. All of these things contribute to us procrastinating. But understanding why we do it, right? Having, you know, if you took the assessment and you have an understanding of who you are and you know and you take time to take inventory of your lived experiences and some of the things that have gone on, some of the reasons why you do what you do, it equips you with the ability to course correct. It equips you with the ability to put yourself in an environment where people will care for you or you have accountability where it'll get you back on track if you start to procrastinate. But if you want to establish a, a consistent, a quick decision-making process or habit, then you're going to have to create a deadline. You're going to have to get a to-do list. You're going to have to, you know, you could be you could be afraid, but you got to have courage, right? You got to really look at it from the perspective of this decision isn't permanent, right? Everything expires. So the impact of this decision will fizzle out eventually. And if I make a decision and it doesn't work, then I can just make another decision. And then if that doesn't work, I can make another decision. There isn't permanence to decisions. And I think that understanding that piece in and of itself can help free us from some of the negative self-talk or some of the stress and anxiety around making decisions or pursuing things. If, so if, if I notice that somebody is operating outside of themselves, then it immediately lets me know that that person is feeling anxious, that person is feeling unsafe. And so what I immediately do is make them feel safe. I make them feel seen. Like, bro, like, it's cool. Like, we don't have to do that. Or I start to applaud and reward who they are. I start to compliment who they are. What I've noticed is that most people shy away from who they are because they've been, you know, somebody said something or something happened, they might have been made fun of or, you know, they've experienced something traumatic that makes them judge who they are. And people want to operate as who they think they should be or who somebody told them they're supposed to be versus who they truly are. And it's getting people to understand that it's the best thing in the world to be yourself. Really, it's the only thing that you can be sustainably over the long haul but it's cool to be you and me personally I live my life in a way where I want to be an example I demonstrate like full ownership of who I am the good the bad the beautiful ugly and you know give another person because I can't do it for for them but I give another person permission to be themselves by demonstrating and modeling what it is but if I see somebody that is sort of operating outside themselves, I'll, you know, maybe pull them to the side or be like, well, no, like, that's cool. I like that you do that. And I lean into the thing that is true to them because people are going to, right, we're, we're creatures of habit. We're going we're gonna to stick to the thing that we're rewarded to. So if I'm rewarding you being you, then you'll lean more in that and you'll want to gravitate to the thing that makes you feel more comfortable, makes you feel more you. A person runs away from who they are because they've been punished for being themselves. And there's too many people in this world that have abandoned themselves because of, you know, lived experience. And they've been told that they're not supposed to be this and supposed to be that. 
But my thing is like be unapologetically yourself, even when it's not convenient, and stand on it. You mentioned people, um, people being punished for being themselves, and I imagine that that's happened to people like at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got if you've got this person who spent the last twenty years not really being themselves. And they're not really like there's a possibility they're not really aware of like who they are to an extent. Personally, I didn't have like a third person awareness of who I was until mm-hmm. I took the disc. You know what I'm saying? So back to that example, you're a person that somebody who's coming to work with you or work for you is looking up to, but they're not quite being themselves. Um, if with them having taken a disc assessment and being aware of what their assessment looks like, um, how would you, uh, how would you propose that person start to understand those characteristics and start to lean in who they who they are and let's start with someone who might have who might be like a like a high d high c yeah so i think with everything it takes education so it's informing them right so this is and again it when you take the assessment we're not telling you who you are you take the assessment and it's scientific data like you put the inputs in there and it gave you this output and it's explaining your preference, how you're wired, and all of that. So that you know, sometimes people reject it, like, "Nah, I'm not this." But once I start having a conversation with them, it's like, "Oh, well, yeah, right." And there's now we start to, well, where did you where did you get that from, or why do you have this feeling about this part of this aspect of you? And so is is getting them to understand, like, this is who you are. This is how you excel. This is your superpower, right? Like, I, there is a game that is designed specifically for each one of us to win. If we're not excelling at that, it's because we're not playing our game. Most of us are not playing our game because of what society says. There's somebody we trying to make proud or there's somebody we don't want to disappoint or somebody told us this is what we should do. We're living a life that's really not ours. Once you are aware and you take ownership of who you are and you are clear, everything changes. So I'm always looking to God, people like, no, this is what you need to stick to. This is where you are untouchable. This is where you excel and you feel more peaceful there. So let's lean into that. And then let's let's look for other people around us who we could partner with, who we could collaborate with to support us. And those are people that are going to want to support you because they're operating in what they are most gifted at. And once you start to explain it to people and they realize they're not being a burden to somebody or it isn't going to be, you know, this weird, you know, experience it's like a weight gets lifted off of them and they start to get excited. And I see this a lot in team dynamics, right? 
most people don't know where they add value or how they can add value. So most people are like, well, why am I here? What am I, what am I doing? They feel less than or they feel like they're a waste. But if we're on a team and I say, hey, this is where I'm strong, so this is where I'm going to lead, and this is where I struggle, now we can start to pair people because if you're strong where I'm weak, you can automatically elevate me without me having to ask for it. And you'll do it gladly because it makes you feel good to be useful. And so on a team, in, well, just in general, people excel when they have clarity and when they have confidence. You have clarity because you have the knowledge and the information and you have confidence because you're doing something extremely well and you're doing it with little to no effort. It's an unbeatable tandem. One, you figure out how to navigate because you won't always have control over the environment and you won't always have control over what comes at you. Like life throws shit at you sometimes, right? So you have to know how, you have to have mastery of self so that you know how to navigate yourself in and out of a situation. Then from there, you have to master your environment and the people around you. So now you have to be mindful of who you allow in your space, who you allow access to you, and then you have to be mindful of the environment you're in because the environment is going to influence your behavior more than anything. So if you're around, you're in the wrong environment, you're adding friction that you may not need. So being in the right environment, an environment that's tailor-made for you, it's effortless for you to do what you do. It's because there's no friction. It's built for you to thrive. But one that's not for you is going to make everything difficult. And eventually you burn out of energy because your energy is finite. So it's really a, it's really a, a, a exercise in energy management. How do you put yourself in an environment to get the most done with the least amount of effort? What environment allows you to do that? What people allow you to do that? And it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's an, an exercise in managing all of those things so you can keep it in place so that you are you're able to sustain that over time. And then if you keep doing that over time, then economies of scale plays in your favor because you're able to compound the the outputs and the the the, the interest that you get back from you know the 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 interest that you get in the the things that you receive from being able to perform at a really high level over time. People are like, oh, he's a genius. No, he's playing his game. You put me in a room full of people? Nope. But put me in an intimate setting like this? I thrive. Because I'm wired. I care about creating deep connection. I don't like surface level. So we could really chop it up and build... I'll sit and build with you all day. But you throw me in a room with a whole bunch of people and I'm going to go sit in a corner somewhere. Yeah. I'm not wired for it. My thing is, I'll be like, what are we talking about? Like, what's what are we doing? And for somebody, they could feel like it's insensitive. Like, bro, like, what's the, I'm like, what is we talking for? 
Like, I'm not being rude. I'm just like, I just, I would prefer to spend my time doing something different, like, or spend it in a different way. And it's important to understand not to project yourself on another person or your way because that may not, again, everybody is operating to keep themselves safe. When you're projecting you on another person that's not like you, you basically saying, man, like, I don't care. Like, you just going to have to deal with feeling uneasy. No. And for me, I got to a place where I thought I was, I thought what I wanted was happiness. I thought I was, I thought I was in the pursuit of happiness. That's what it was about. But I really, what I really wanted was peace. And I realized that in order for us to have happiness, we have to engage with something that's outside of ourselves. We need something to interact with that's outside of self, some sort of stimuli or something. But what happens when that thing doesn't exist or it isn't around anymore? Then you don't have happiness. But peace resides within. So in order for me to have peace, I just need to go deeper within myself. And what I realize is the more of myself that I confront, the more free I become. So it's, it's a win-win. So yeah, I want to spend time deep in deep thought. I want to spend time uh, being curious. Curiosity is a skill that everybody needs to develop. That's why kids are like so pure because they're naturally curious. Developing a skill of curiosity allows you to solve problems and allows you to get insights that you would never get otherwise. So I'm like, where does that come from? I'm always asking myself a question. Where, like, like, why do you do that? Or where's that coming from? Or like, 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 what's up? Like, where? And the more I get into the question, I get to new information. I get to new, like, oh, that's where that came from. Well, when was the first time you thought that thought? Or when was the first time you had that feeling? Okay. And why did you have that feeling? Well, I don't know. Well, somebody probably gave it to you, right? There's a foundational programming that we get from like zero to seven. You know what I'm saying? Like before we really get into the world, we're an open sponge. Like people are throwing all sorts of words, phrases, thoughts, opinions, beliefs. And then we just adopt it and we're just like, well, this is the way, right? And we have to sort of see if that fits who we are. And if it doesn't, we got to unlearn it. And then learn, relearn the thing that does work for us. And that's like, that's really the work of life. That's like a, that's, I mean, that's how, that is a life's worth of work. We will be doing this our entire lives. And people think like, oh, you'll be all right, or let's just, you know, party that away or let's go work that away. It doesn't go away. You want somebody to come into your workplace and perform. They can't because they're dealing with real life shit. Therapy does help. For some people, therapy help. Like for some people, they, you know, meditation is a the thing. Therapy help. Like, because you, again, in a lot of ways, when you don't have a feedback loop, when you don't have somebody to bounce an idea off of or somebody to give you a difference of perspective, 
it's like driving in a car with no mirrors. So when a person isn't self-aware or they don't have that, it's like driving, but you only have your rear view mirror and the windshield. And you're trying to switch lanes and you keep crashing or you keep, because you don't have the mirrors to see what's coming up or what's trailing you or what's on the side of you, right? You don't have the additional vision. But when you have people around you who can be honest, who could be true to you and have your best intentions, they can give you insight on your blind spots, the things that you can't see. Like, I don't care how much you look into that mirror, you still got to look over your shoulder. That's the blind spot, and it's natural. The mirrors don't catch everything. But it helps give you more of a view. Everybody needs that. And for me, I think it's very important for us to get around people who who love us, who respect us, but they're not impressed by us. Because those are people that are going to stretch you. They're not impressed by this version of you. They see all of who you are and what you can be. So they're always going to ch challenge you and push you and stretch you into being your best self. Right? I, I had a mentor tell me, like, if you're a friend to my present, you're an enemy to my future. Like, if you super comfortable and you love this version of me, you like, this is what it, like, this is the buck stops here for you. You'll never allow me to grow into who I'm supposed to be or evolve into all that I can be. And it's, it's putting ourselves in an environment that's tailor-made for us, the people, the places, the things, what we consume, what we speak, what we think. Most of us are not doing that because we've been programmed to do something that someone thought we should and we're perpetuating that by making those choices, but those choices are not in alignment with who we are. Awareness breeds choice, so you can't choose something you're not aware of. So if you don't know who you are, you can't make choices that serve you. It's impossible. So if you're not clear about who you are, you're making choices to serve somebody else. And you're doing it on a consistent basis. So you're always in this vicious cycle of just being stressed, bumping your head, being stressed, bumping your head. And that wears a person out over a lifetime. But once you are equipped and once you are aware of who you are and you understand why you are that way, now you can make choices that serve you. And even in those, even in those choices, right, there are things that there are things that you know you know. There are things that you know you don't know. And then there are things that you don't know that you don't know. And that's the scary part because you can't do anything about something you don't know. So it's like in the ether. But when you're exposed, right, that's why exposure is important. Because you're living a life based on all of the choices you know to be available to you. But it doesn't mean that that is inclusive of all the choices that are available. So when you start to get exposed to more things, it equips you with more choices to make. Now you have more choices available to you that serve you. This version of you and the version of you that you want to become.
But if you don't know that it's there, then you can't choose it. That's what this is all about. Making you aware so you can exercise the power of choice in a way that serves your truest, most authentic self. And do so unapologetically. When you realize that, and this was really, really, this was a healing part for me. Everybody's doing their best. Thanks. Even when they're doing foul, messed up stuff, they're doing their best, right? Because here's the one truth that I've learned. It's not even people's personality. Some people don't even know why they're the way they are. What I realized is everybody is doing what they do to make themselves feel safe. And when you realize that this person is operating this way simply because they want to be safe, instead of looking at it like this person is doing something to me or they're being annoying, you have a level of compassion yeah. because of the understanding. When I understand that you're doing this because of your lived experience, because you're trying to make yourself safe, I go, oh, I get it. I can extend you compassion and, as opposed to being annoyed that, man, why are you, why are you talking so much? Right, that talking right. might be a defense mechanism. That talking may be your way of deflecting discomfort in some way. And there's really no right or wrong. It's just what is your way. And so when you're working with people, it's, a matter, it's not a right or a wrong. It's does this way work best in this situation for what we're trying to achieve? Yeah. So again... How can we use our differences to make a difference? But there's no right or wrong. There is no good or bad. As you're saying that, I remember you talking about, um, I remember you talking about like your greatest fear. Mm -hmm. And um, I want you to share that. Right. But like I, I use that to explain to other people how I operate. Yeah. Because my biggest fear is creating something that's trash and it lasts forever. <laughs> that's my fear. That's why you probably been seeing me like looking, feeling on my pocket. Right. I want the audio to be straight. So, I've been like looking back at the camera, like right. because you're a high C, right? And, yeah. And, and so that that's the like understanding. Everybody has a biggest fear, and we all operate from our biggest fear. Right. You are a high C. A high C's biggest fear is criticism. That's why high C's are perfectionists. They take their time, they're meticulous, they're systematic, they're exact and precise, right? You wanna measure twice and cut once right. because your biggest fear is investing all of yourself into something only for it to be criticized or mocked or ridiculed in some way. Yeah. yeah. And when you understand that, I go, okay. So when you're asking a bunch of questions, I'm not like offended like, man like why is he asking me so many questions or whatever i know right. like he's trying to gather information so that he can make sense of this so he can feel safe and secure right you get what i'm saying so yeah. i'm a i'm a 99d right so if you're a d your biggest fear is being taken advantage of or being made to feel insignificant or being manipulated so a D is very assertive, is very demanding, is very driving in what they do. 
because they're trying to protect themselves from being taken advantage of. So the question I had to ask myself was, when was the first time you felt unsafe or when was the first time you felt like someone took advantage of you? Mm. And I realized like, mm. oh, this started in my childhood. Yeah. Like, yeah. again, I said I grew up in the Bronx during the crack era. Like, my environment outside was chaotic. You understand what I'm saying? Like, even if I went before that, uh, my parents split when I was like three. I was very young. So it, that's disruptive to the home and it's very, you know, you're trying to make sense of stuff. So my father was my, my I was a daddy's boy. You know what I mean? I was a, that was like my protector. I felt unguarded, right, mm -hmm. in that situation. Some years later, one of my older brothers got killed. When my father left, he took over the protector role, but now he got killed. So now I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this world is not kind. And my brother was a teenager when he got killed. So I, oh. it was me processing, like, oh, kids can die. Wow. Oh, so now I have to. It's crazy, because at that age, you don't think that. Right. <laughs> so when, when I tell people, like, I'm asserting my, I grew up in a very uh, violent, animalistic, dysfunctional environment. And when you're in the jungle, you do as they do in the jungle and you protect yourself and you assert yourself because what you don't want to do is be looked at as prey. Mm. So in order to get peace and to be left alone, you have to, what, it's like, you ever see a dog and they show teeth, they, gro uh, they growl yeah. before they... Yeah. Yeah. You got to show teeth. You know what yeah. I mean? It's almost, there's this, uh, I think in, like, in Japanese culture, there's the warrior in the garden. Mm -hmm. This idea, right? And it says it's better to be a warrior who knows how to be peaceful than a peaceful person that doesn't know how to fight in war. Right? And so I've always taken that on and like I'm prepared for whatever, but I want to keep things chill. But when you know that about a D... When you see a D being assertive, you don't go, man, this dude is like so cut and dry and like pushing and pushing. You realize like you want to disarm me by like, yo, everything is cool, man. Just like, just relax and oh, so I go, now I'm at ease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A high eye, right? Yeah. These are like the people, that, like the stars. They're always making sure everybody feels good and appreciated. They know how to work the room. Yeah, They're yeah, super yeah. social, right? They want people to feel good and appreciated because a high eye's biggest fear is being rejected. Mm. So it's like, when was the first time that you felt rejected? How did that make you feel? And so because you felt that way, you never want anybody else to feel that way. That's why there's so much into people. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. With a high S, the high S is very cool, calm, collected. They want everything to sort of just flow and be cool. And that's their approach because a high S's biggest fear is lack of stability, loss of security. So they want everything moving slow, everything chill, because when things start to move really fast, they get anxious. That's their way of combating things. So if you see somebody and they're super chill, you don't get upset like, man, you don't take anything serious. That's how right, they right. That's how they remain safe, by right. pacing things. Let's take our time. 
And so when you have this understanding about people, again, it allows you to deploy compassion because everybody has insecurity, everybody has flaw. So instead of looking at the person across from you, like, why are you doing that to me? You realize it doesn't have anything to do with me at all. This person just wants to be seen, just wants to be acknowledged, just wants to be understood, and just wants to be celebrated. Mm. That's it. And I think when you take that approach, it just, relationships become better, you become better with yourself. It just makes everything, you know, like, and I can't help but to see the world that way now.